Hello and welcome to this week's French Football Weekly podcast. What a time to be alive. <laughs> this is the podcast that is probably going to put three quid on Loria winning the league and four quid on Guillermo Marapan being top goal scorer. My name is Chris. I am your host. And you probably um, you probably detect a bit of a theme as we go into this week's podcast. Everyone. No, 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 no. Sorry. Two of us are really happy. The other one. Probably not so happy, but you know, I'm I'm living vicariously through you two at the moment. That's the way it should be. Uh, we'll come on to the reasons why shortly, but uh, we shall launch into this week's pod with glee in our hearts. Back on a Monday as well, so uh, don't say we didn't promise. Right then, uh, lots to go through this week. We've decided to kind of swing things around a little bit this week um, and, and kind of look at the bottom. A little, if you will, and uh, sort of have a look at what's going on down at the, the sort of lower end of the table, because we do focus on the title race. And of course, we will talk about the title race, uh, in, certainly in some of the games that we're going to cover this week. But we want to start down at the bottom and um, let or should, uh, should we start at the very bottom? Because as uh, as the midweek, there was a midweek game last week, which a certain team from uh, from Breton managed to pull out their first three two week three two win of the week, and that was Lorient's game against Dijon, which was the game in hand after all the COVID whatnots, and um, it was a three two win for Lorient in extremely bizarre circumstances. Uh, Trevor Chalabar put them in front. Uh, of course, Bruno Akule Manga playing against his former club equalised. Mama Balda put Dijon in front and all was not looking good. Tarek Boffi, though, got the leveller. And then in the very last minute, in fact, I think it was 96 minutes, uh, Gravillon's uh, goal-bound effort seemingly was palmed over his own goal line or sort of pulled behind his own goal line by Rissopi for an own goal. Some have credited it to Gravillon, but it was clearly a goalkeeping mishap. So that was um, that was kind of a big result going into the weekend's action. And Particularly given, didn't one of your chaps get sent off? Yes, it was um, Etienne who, in when the they put the pictures up, you know, before the match to put them all on the the pitch and show the formations, didn't have a photo, so had a kind of weird grey android head thing that looked a bit like Vision. Yes, it, it that was, happens it, a lot. On, it on does, yeah. It's like like almost um, what's that film with Will Smith? I Robot. It looks like <laughs> those sort of people. Um, but Etienne's uh, sending off was rescinded, so he was he was sent off, and then on VAR appeal, it, it went to a booking. So um, oh, so you did I still have did still have the full compliment, yeah. Because at the time, I I was following it on my um, on my app, and I was like, oh god, you know, I saw him go one 0 up, great, and then to go two one down, oh, not so good. Then it's sending off. It's just like, oh god. But uh, no, on VAR appeal, that was rescinded. So um, big win, big win. So that led us into the weekend's action. And uh, and there was quite a lot of quite a lot of action this weekend in terms of uh, late drama and and goals. Basically, it was it was a goal filled weekend in Liga. I want to speak about Nîmes first of all because they find themselves bottom of Liga now after another defeat. Um, they're coming back off the off that win, of course, at, at Marseille, but it was back to losing ways this weekend as they went down to Angers by three goals to one. Uh, Capel, Koulibaly, and uh, Louis uh, Louis Dionne getting the third repart with a penalty reply for Nîmes. Um, just very quickly then, first of all, on Nîmes, do we see them as as a team that are, I mean, they're obviously going to struggle because of the, their bottom of the table at the moment, but they're a bit of an anomaly for me uh, to go away and win at Marseille, which, you know, more about them later. Fantastic result. And they just didn't perform against Sanonje side, which has, has to be said, a uh, are doing good things uh, at the moment. I mean, they've just snapped a three-game losing streak, but they are up in eight, so it's not really a big surprise. Um, Jazz, I'll come to you on this one. It's sort of Nîmes, that kind of club that you look at and you go, this this is where they're going to be now, bottom two, bottom three for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think so. I just, it's just, you know, it's, it's. I was going to say it's not their fault. It's as as so often happens. They. The last two three years, they really brought through some really good young players. Either sorry, either young players or players that have kind of performed really well and made names for themselves. Um, a lot of them seem to have gone to Angers weirdly as well, um, and they just can't keep hold of those players. So it's a 
now you look at their squad, it's sort of a very workaday squad, but there's there's not that much kind of standout talent there. Um, I know we, we talked about Fahat before, he really is a talent on his day, um, but, you know, he can't do it all himself. You've got, um, I don't know, players like Ripa, who seems to be sort of moving further and further back the pitch as, as his starting position as, as the years go by. And, you know, we'll speak about Lorient a little bit more and you look at sort of what Moffi's done really recently. But as usual, I just think, I think I've said it before, sort of certainly at the top and the bottom of, of any table, the, the big difference can be a reliable goal scorer. You know, they, they it can sort of hide, hold, hide a multitude of sins if you've got someone who can just put the ball in the back of the net. And they don't really seem to have anyone who's that capable of doing that. And, and I think that's where they might fall down. They, you know, the build-up play may be as, as, as good, probably not, but possibly as good as a, a Lorient, for example. But if no one's putting the ball in the net, then it doesn't matter. And, and certainly defensively, then they're, they're not good enough to you know, be able to keep it tight and, and nick the odd goal. So I, I think that they're really going to be struggling to stay up. Yeah, I think it's hard to dis uh, disagree with that. And and Phil, coming to you, sort of same could be said for Dijon, who we just mentioned. Obviously, they lost that big game in in midweek against Lorient, and they followed it up with another defeat as they lost to Lille, who we'll speak about a little bit later on by the odd goal. And to be fair, they they fought and they clawed and they scratched, but they just again they couldn't score. And on another day, they probably would have taken a point off of uh, off of uh, off of Lille, uh, sort of in a tough away game. But they have lost, and they are technically joint bottom on fifteen points. Do you? I'm gonna I'm gonna gonna resist the temptation to say can they cut the mustard, but um, (laughs) you know. Well, I think they. The fact the thing is, when I look at Dijon name, despite the fact that Dijon have scored fewer goals, I feel better about them Mm. because. I mean, Lille are, you know, a very, very tough team to beat. And it looked like that was a kind of slow and steady, don't don't hit yourselves, lads, kind of approach from Lille, given that we have a midweek round coming up. You know, they they do show willing and enthusiasm and it just isn't working out for them. But they haven't shipped the amount of goals that Neem have, which is, you know... The, the big problem, they're bad at both ends. And that's something that obviously is, if you're going to fix something, if you have to, that's hard enough. If you have to fix everything, then it's uh, it's a bigger problem because you might look at, you know, the Angers team and say, well, there's no real standout stars. I mean, man crush your side and whatever, but they're very well organized. They all know what they're doing and they've got a plan. And that's why they're in the top half of the table. Whereas Neem look plan adjacent, if you see what I mean. So it's yes. it's problematic. So like I say, I've got more hope for Dijon. But as you say, they're both down there on 15 points after, well, 21 or 22 games, depending on the situation. Um, so that's, you know, it's a tough climb up to... Uh, get out of that bottom four you need seven points and frankly Neem having a game in hand seems fairly irrelevant mm. um, unfortunately because it just doesn't look like they'll know what to do with it no no that I, I do agree I, I mean in Neem's goal difference is what really could could really cause them problems minus 27 now and at least Dijon minus 16 as are Lorient Nantes minus 15 minus 14 St Etienne I mean that, that's that's almost double goal difference against Nîmes that's that's really going to struggle or they're really going to struggle to turn that round especially without as Jez mentioned without a goal scorer whereas I think Dijon they, they tend to be a side that you get the impression can score goals but are going to ship a few and, and if they're losing the odd game 1-0 whilst you wouldn't expect them to get much at Lille it's kind of a game that I say having watched it it had that feel of a very Gautier, we've got our goal, we'll sit in, much yeah. like last week. you know. And, and that must have been so frustrating after, obviously, Dijon played that midweek game where they must have been gutted yeah. uh, by that result, you know, nearly holding on for a, a point away against a relegation rival and then everything going 
and from a winning position as well. Yeah. In in the in the you know in injury time, so I think that was probably psychologically also a very tough game to play. Yeah. If you think the um, the Lorient winner was a was the, a Dijon mistake, you should see Lille's winner against Dijon. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Yazici with the, the goal. We, we probably but touched on the It's horrific for Macrello I don't know what he was thinking. Given no, it's there. goalkeeper, defender standing and looking as if to say, what? Uh, as Yazici sort of gleefully tapped into an empty net. But yeah, it wasn't wasn't the best. And Nîmes' top goal scorer so far this season is Ripper with four goals, three of them are penalties. Yeah, that, that doesn't make for good reading, does it? That's uh, that's Newcastle-esque, if ever I saw it. So yeah, that's not good reading. What about what about the weekends? Uh, probably one of the stories of the weekend then, Jess, that I can hold back no longer. Um, Lorient's victory over <laughs> PSG. Now, for, for me, what what was what was really sort of uh, what was huge about this game was in midweek. Obviously, the the scenes of a late winner against your relegation rival. We saw, you know, we saw Policier running down the touchline. We saw mad sort of jubilation scenes. Instagram was full of happy smiling faces. There must have been a, a time when the Lorient squad got together and then went, "Got PSG, aren't we next?" Yeah, it's not ideal. There must have been that thought in in the sort of the the build up to this game. And as the, the rain descended on, on the Moustoir, I, I, I looked at this game and thought, you just never know. You never know. When Lauren Avergel scores a goal, you really start to believe. And to go 1-0 up, to, what really impressed me about this victory, not only the fact that, that Lorient came from behind to win it, essentially, in, in terms of having been behind, but to score those two late goals, albeit PSG were pushing to try and get the winner themselves, it just showed real heart to me to, to win by three goals to two. And I, th- I do think, and I have to say, PSG had the air of a team that thought they would rock up and win fairly comfortably. And that ultimately cost them. And, you know, where have we said PSG have been, have been a bit arrogant at times in the past? And it was two Neymar penalties, which uh, got them level, uh, sorry, got level and then in front after Abagella had scored before Johan Visser and Tarek Moffi with the late winner, um, a cracking late winner as well, by the way, that was really, really good. And both substitutes. So what, what do you make of this, this turnaround, Jez? We'll talk about PSG in a bit, but from a Lorient perspective, it's amazing what one week of momentum can do, isn't it? When, when you're a team that is, they're clearly united behind the coach, what, what do you make of their turnaround this week? Um, yeah. I mean, well, first of all, just quickly on Abigail, I, I did like his quote after the match where he basically said, you know, there's someone from Marseille, the you know the dream of any Marseille footballer is to play for Marseille, and then the second dream is to score against PSG. PSG, yeah, and a good goal as well, by the way, really good. They were all good goals. I thought mm. the second one was the best, but yeah, the, the footwork to, yeah. to get into that position. Yeah, I agree. Um, look, we were talking yesterday. It was a good day for Lorient. It was a good day for Mess, and then it was a good day for for Brighton, which indirectly was a good day for you because um, it was against Spurs, but. Especially at the bottom, everything is such fine margins and you end up sort of feeling like a Marseille fan and swinging swinging from sort of deep depression to hysteria after one win because they're so precious and they can make such a big difference at the end of the season. And I think, you know, what you said, I think the PSG game is kind of a, a free hit. But going into it, you're not really expecting anything. And clearly the Dijon match is much more important. It's a sort of mini final and it's such a cliche, but you've got to beat all those teams around you. Um, and then you assume that sort of by the law of averages, you'll get around the same few number of points against the rest. And as long as you beat those around you, then then you've got a fighting chance. So I think clearly the, the Dijon match was the, was the more important one. And then anything yesterday was a bonus. And, and then, as you said, because of partly because of the weather, that was a bit of a leveller. PSG fans might say, well, you know, we had a couple of players out with COVID and, and Marquinhos was out. And I think, again, this just highlighted just how important Marquinhos is to the team, both in terms of, of leadership and, and actual footballing ability. But then at the same time, Lorient have had a, a really bad time with it COVID-wise. So that's no excuse. Um and then, yeah, as you said, I, I think, again, I don't want to sort of fall into the usual cliche about 
pampered stars who don't fancy it. But I think there probably is an element of that, you know, the wind and the rain and, and um, the fact that L'Oreal have nothing to lose. Um, as long as you sort of keep in touch, you know, there was that Icardi header that was, that was well saved by Drea. If that goes in, two goal deficit, you can only see it going one way. But as long as there's only one goal in it, um, anything can happen. And then the winner, I guess you can say, well, you know, it's not freakish, but PSG did commit everyone forward to get the winner. So they're always open to that. But I'm sure Lorient would have been very happy with the draw as well. Yeah. So, yeah, all, all you can do is sort of fight, make sure that you're not overrun and then take your chances when, when they come your way. And that's exactly what Lorient did. And, and yeah, this is a huge bonus, but one that could be absolutely crucial at the end of the season. Yeah. Mm. But in again, if you're not expecting anybody else a, to do it. I think it's that five matches in a row that Moffy scored. I mean, that's that's yeah. He's huge. he's he's been a a find Nigerian um, sort of youngster, and, and yeah, yeah, he has he has been a find. I think the thing his partnership as well with, with Visa when when they both came on, albeit there was an element sort of of right, let's chuck the kitchen sink because PSG were were two one up, and has to be said two good penalties from from Neymar in, in fairness and Andrea. His frustration at the first one in particular, Dreyer just coming back into the side and he sort of just stood there as it went past him. It's just that frustration knowing if he either had just stood still, he would have saved it. But uh, yeah, when, when you saw Moffi and, and Visa coming on, Moffi's only 21. Visa, we know, has got oodles of pace. I think he's been a really good pickup from Kortrijk in, in Belgium. He was um, We've seen quite a lot of Belgian league players come into Liga. So yeah, he's he's been huge. And I think the point you made there about the the, the sort of the the momentum of the game, there was a moment when Pelissier was sort of, I think he was talking to Abigail sort of in between. In between. I think I think it's actually when Fabian the Warmers being booked, pick them on. But uh, you could sort of see the conversation. It was like, we're 2-1 down. Do we go for it? Do we not? And then when they got level, it was months again, that conversation again, what do we do? Uh, and I, I think Lorient had settled for a point at that, at that stage. But when PSG were doing that thing that PSG do, where it is literally everyone forwards, I, th- I think the, the chance was taken and, and that was that. But um, yeah, very, very pleased, very pleased. A, a word of um, uh, praise for Leandro Paredes, by the way, for, in terms of the opposition, thought he was brilliant for, for PSG and if they ever do lose Marco Verratti, I think he's probably the, the man who'll step into that breach. But it was Lorient's day in the soaking wet. We do now need to talk about Nantes, though, as much as I'd love to talk about Lorient for the rest of the day. We can't. Phil, what's your thoughts? I know we've kind of done we've done the jokes, haven't we, about Dominic? But he, I, th- I think I was reading a stat. He's the first coach of Nantes in... 25 odd years or something stupid that hasn't won in his first five games it's two draws and three straight defeats now despite a spirited effort um they went down to 10 men when Powell was sent off Maripan and uh Kevin Volland again scored for Monaco before Emond pulled one back and it was a bit of a frantic finish but they have lost again albeit to a, a good Monaco side they are they're they're right on the edge now, Nom. 18 points level with Lorient. So technically they are joint relegation playoff spot. They're falling like a stone, aren't they? And um, the pressure's only going to go up. Yeah. I think it's, if you're going to sack your manager and bring someone new in, you want, you know, a Sam Allardyce. You don't want a man who uses the star signs of no. players. I mean, the fact that Palois got himself sent off when they were 2-0 down, I thought Two that was really telling. in a minute for bitching at the referee is yeah. ludicrous. I'm sure somebody needs, again, you'd Sam Allardyce would be tearing a strip off him. God knows what Dominic's saying. Um, so, yes, they were playing Monaco, who are on a five. Is it five? Is it more than five winning I think, streak? I think it is five now. Yeah, five and a half. Yeah, very and good. And the whole we need to talk about Kevin situation with Volland. <laughs> I think he's on, what, 11 goals now? Six assists. He's the best attacker in after Mbappé and Dia. You know, they are... We, we've, I think we've said it before, it seems weird to say they're quietly going about their business, but that's because 
other things are happening chaotically around them and they just seem to be getting on with stuff and none to not and yes. they just don't seem to have their, their problem before was kind of lack of cohesion and again a, a plan and really not sure that Dominic's a person to instill that and it hasn't happened yet and are we betting on it happening anytime soon? Um, I'm not. Oh. <laughs> I'm just not. So <laughs> I, I, I think their fans are, must be an absolute tailspin because obviously there's been issues kind of off pitch in the boardroom, etc. over Keto and whatever, and the Dominic decision pissed a lot of them off. But if he turned things around a bit, I'm sure they would have grumblingly accepted that, but things seem to be getting worse. So, mm. hmm. And look at their next fixture midweek, which we'll cover the midweek fixtures, but their next three fixtures, St Etienne away on Wednesday, followed up by two home games against title-chasing Lille and overperforming performing Lance. Doesn't reek of three games they're going to get three points out of, does it? To be Lance is a cup game, I think. Oh, yes, you're absolutely right. Sorry, I do apologise. Yeah, even that, even said, um, you know, as much as cup runs don't mean anything in the league, there's the momentum element, isn't there? If, yeah. if, you, if they take three straight defeats. Also, are comfortable enough in the league that they might really go for the cup game. Yeah, true. And and even if you take the Lons game out of the equation, they're then away to Angers and then at home to Marseille, which is probably is a guaranteed three points. But all jokes I aside... Just, I mean, far be it for me to defend Dominic, but... I don't, I don't think it's got worse. And I think they have been sort of in his five matches. I think in all five of them, they've sort of been in touch. There's like, they've only lost one by, you know, three, three out of five were undefeated. You could say that. Only one was, was lost by more than one goal margin. And they've sort of been involved in all the matches. But mm. I just don't think there's enough quality there. And the problem is that I don't think he's the, the man to what little quality there is out of the players yeah um, but again I think just you know certainly against Mets they played some relatively decent stuff but just no cutting edge whatsoever mm. and they've got this succession of, of really talented players of an attacking bent like Simon and Blas and Coco or whatever but they're all sort of they all blow hot and cold and none of them are really out-and-out goal scorers, and I think that's the main problem. Yeah, they, they Obviously, did. they've got Jean-Kevin Augustin, who's yeah. just bizarre, just a completely busted flush. Doesn't seem like the sort of guy who's going to come in and get seven or eight goals in in terms of sort of a late push. I, the thing that sort of concerns me about about not Phil made reference to it there, it, it, when you see a player get sent off for two offences of... of the mouth, if you will, it doesn't bode well, does it? I mean, like that. that... That's what they should call it from now on. Yeah, I think they should. I've just created something there, haven't I? Offences of the mouth, but um, sounds like something else. But it's uh, it, it, that's what worries me because that that to me speaks of a, an unhappy dressing room when players are getting sent off for dissent. I mean, albeit Palwa was right to have the hump. It was a there was a few questionable refereeing decisions in that game last night be fair to say for both sides I would would add but yeah I, I just I, that doesn't that doesn't go down well when your most experienced player and captain is being sent off for two yeah two acts of the mouth so I, I, that would be my worry and and like you say just the goal scoring is is another issue and uh, I'll stick with you Jez on the next one that I do want to cover because I did sort of make mention of them briefly before St Etienne massive win for them yesterday I cannot understate this enough a 1-0 win away at Nice and normally you'd say it's Nice what do you expect and you know I don't want to be sort of trolling but we know what we've seen from Nice recently it hasn't been great but Charles Abbey to pop up in the 88th minute after uh, I watched all 90 minutes of this game and it it was it was painful at times Nice just yeah, Nice just playing around and going nowhere. St Etienne just sitting in their own box and hoping for the best. And to be fair, it worked. And, and Claude Puel's obviously got the backing of, of the supporters for now and, and the squad. And there was a, a big embrace for the, the team when Abby's winner went in. What do you make of it, Jez? Is it, is it a turning point? Because you now look at that nod game and you think, 
again, it's massive, isn't it? Because whoever wins that really gets themselves out of trouble with that win. St Etienne goes to 22 points and they're now four points above the drop zone. Um, yeah, I think for, for Nantes, it's definitely a... Well, not a must-win for Nantes, but let's say if, if Saint-Etienne win it, I think, you know, I don't think they need to sort of look over their shoulders again for the rest of the season. I don't think there's enough in yeah. all of the teams below them to, to to make up that ground. And I still think that they're probably going to be fine anyway. Um, I just think with, with Saint-Etienne, there's always going to be a sort of delicate balancing act if you're bringing in a whole, bringing through a whole load of youngsters at the same time. You're going to have good moments. You're going to have bad moments. You just got to hope that the the former sort of outweighs the latter. And I think that that's what's been happening with them. They started well. They went on a terrible run. They tightened up a lot. Went on quite a long unbeaten run, even though they were practically all draws. Then three defeats in a row, and now now back to another win. I think. And they again, to be fair, had a bit of COVID disruption as well, and didn't yeah. for some reason have the luxury of, of Lorient having a couple of matches cooled off. So they've been through a tough time. And again, it's all a steep learning curve. But you saw last night, and I think even in, in L'Equipe's Team of the Week, there, there may be a couple of Saint-Étienne players there. there. There are some talents there. And as long as they're sort of given the chance, I think they, they will flourish. And they just need to pick up the, these wins every now and again. This probably isn't one, despite... Nice's bad recent form. It probably isn't one that they would necessarily have earmarked as, as one that they take three points from. But yeah. you know, the, the late, relatively lucky goal um, is huge and, and it gives them a little bit of, of breathing space, which hopefully means it's kind of a virtuous circle with that breathing space that the young players can relax and express themselves a little bit more rather than sort of being extra tense about being right at the bottom. Yeah, yeah, agreed with that. And today they brought in Anthony Modeste, who we will all know from wow. German and, and French football from previous. And I actually think that's a pretty good signing. Yeah, I think that's a really decent they, pickup. What they've been doing, they just said they've got a lot of talent, but they don't seem to have a striker. I mean, mm. the the goal was in the 88th minute, and that was their first shot on target. Modeste is of modest resources but see what you did there yeah modest well it's modest. unavoidable you did the mustard <laughs> joke yeah true. um you know i think that that makes a lot of sense because as joe said again you've got a lot of youngsters who've kind of been chucked in who may have been chucked in rather than the Lorient situation because they were given pro numbers and having somebody a bit older and weathered and seasoned too isn't just Roman and Roman. It's probably a good thing um, to see if they can get that goal number up again. 30, 32 years old as well. Like you say, it's a bit of experience, isn't it? It's, it's that little bit of a... And, and people forget as well, it's, it's, an option, it's a loan without option to buy, it should be stressed. But people forget, Anthony Modest was... For, for Cologne, his, his parent club, he was absolutely on fire just sort of 18 months ago and things have not quite turned out, but he was that celebration was doing the memes and the rounds and yeah, he was he was banging in goals in the Bundesliga and Bundesliga too. So I think that is a probably a decent decent little signing for Sanetti and who've uh, who've got a couple of winnable fixtures, I think it'd be fair to say, upcoming. Um as I say, we've got the Nantes game. They then play title chasing Mets, so nothing there. And uh, then sandwiched between Sosho in the cup, they go, uh, they've got a away trip to Rennes and then home to, to Rouse. So you'd say that there's, there's potential to pick up points there for them. Uh, right, that's where we stand really at the bottom. I'm going to leave Strasbourg out of this conversation because I think they're probably just about all right. Well, also, uh, and Brest well, I think I said bit. last week, and I also tweeted before the multiplex, that Rouse, Strasbourg and Rouse would be the game to keep an eye on. Mm. Uh, so my apologies to everyone who listened to that <laughs> because that was one goal of a multiplex that saw 16 across four games Yeah, it got to the point I think we might talk about the TV situation later but the Telefoot team were doing the multiplex and I think they're going out with a smile so they were running bets amongst each other for how many goals would be scored 
um, they were also playing a game of where will we go next because they managed to cut to I think the the cut to Brest just as Cardona scored they were like oh who should we who should we put the you know put the put the luck on this time so I mean you know they may well all be out of a job in the next couple of weeks but they are going out with uh, with a style and a smile so yeah. all fair of all play to us. Absolutely, yeah. It was a 1-0 win for, for Raz, an 80th minute winner for Quitessa uh, in a, a close fought game. Um, R.I.P. to Strasbourg's Kenny Lala, who leaves Ligue 1 today, by the way. He hasn't actually died. No, he hasn't actually died. Just yeah, make should, that clear. Should, should stress that. <laughs> he he has His career might have, because he's gone to Olympiacos. But uh, yeah, he has left French football, which is kind of sad, because I've always liked Kenny Lala. But um, Strasbourg, just above that dreaded line. We should maybe just give a, a little bit of inches column wise to to Brest and more specifically to to Mets of course Jez a whopping 4-2 win I don't think anyone saw that coming Brest four straight defeats don't worry I will ask you about Mets as well but are they at risk a little bit of this sort of free-flowing and entertaining approach is gonna maybe get them dragged down that table in four straight defeats they've got 26 points but they don't. They kind of want to snap that run, don't they, to to avoid slipping down the table. Uh, but yeah, they do. But they're not in any danger, and it would be a terrible injustice if, if they just slip down because they play fantastic football. They got some really nice players. Um, I still think they are missing Diallo in, yeah. in midfield. But um, you know, Paul Lan has good a player as he is, 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 is not a Diallo anymore. Um, but I just, yeah, you know, the, the full-backs playing so high up and adding so much to the attacks, um, the strikers, you know, Cardona, Mounier, for example, they're not the most exciting set of strikers, but they, they all do different jobs and they all do them reliably well. I just, I think they're, they're a really lovely team and, and not only because they help mess out at the weekend, but a uh, really good goalkeeper as well. I think they'll be fine. I think this is just a blip. Yeah, scored thirty-three, conceded forty-one. They are the entertainers. But um, we'll give let's give give you give yourself some some love for Mets. Uh, Honora had put Brest in front before Vaibula equalised. Evan Cardona then put the home side back in front before an absolute avalanche of pressure from Mets, uh, resulting in Saar Yade and of all people, even Wagner scored from the penalty spot and a 4-2 win for Mets. What's going on, Jess? I mean, you know, three straight wins, sixth in the table. The title's on, isn't it? Two, two, away, two straight away wins for the first time since, I think, 2004. And the first time we scored four away from home since 94, I think. Wow. Um, That's a stat. Just, it's just a really, first of all, contrary to what, GFFM put in the Guardian the other day. They don't have a laughing stock of a manager. They have a very, very good manager, mm. um, coach, who is doing a very good job and was doing a good job last year as well behind the scenes. Um, and they've just got a really lovely balance at the moment. Of um, it's actually quite a young team, but there's you know a couple of experienced heads there as well. They they've got a couple of sort of mercurial players pretty much at the top of their game, like Ukija in goal, Bulaya, who, who didn't do much last year um, in Ligue 1, but has been superb, certainly in recent weeks this year. Um, they've got two or three, again, very, very talented. So the next one's through from Genevassian Foot in Senegal. So the the two Popes who scored yesterday, one's a, one's a striker and one's a, a midfielder and really is, is being raved about as um, sort of the potentially next big thing. I think mean, he scored the. I think he scored the e the second equaliser, um, but also had the sort of second to last pass for the third goal, and also won the ball back in the lead up to the to the penalty. So he was crucial. Um, just and again, I know I keep saying it. This is all with a few injuries as well. So. Um, it's just, I mean, you follow any Mets fans and they're all saying, you know, this is this is the best it's been since 98, 99. Um, it's, 
I don't know what it is exactly, but it's just they found the sort of alchemy for for the the right mix of, of coach and players and, and feel good factor with the, the stadium being hugely renovated and new training grounds inaugurated not that long ago. Um, it's it's just working well. I mean, they are a team that's sort of never too far from another crisis. And you know, even earlier in the season, we saw that where they they sort of started okay, and then sort of within a week had had chucked out their most popular player. Uh, the next most popular got injured. There was some other controversy the same week. I can't remember exactly what. So not yet getting sort of crazily excited, but sixth place at this stage, I think 11 points behind PSG, ahead of Marseille. If you told me at the start of the season, that's where we'd be at the beginning of February. Yes, please. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. I think overperforming is a, is a term, but... But I do, I think Antonetti does a, no, the players obviously deserve a lot of credit and it's sort of, again, being done actually without a, a sort of top centre forward with Nian injured, which is all the more impressive, but they have players capable of scoring goals. Mm. Um, and again, a couple of really good fullbacks and Santon's, um it was sort of in the news a bit this week just because he happened to do the press conference and then Antonetti was asked about it but Antonetti said yeah I've spoken to him about the fact that he should be sort of aiming for the France squad and whether he's going to be capable of doing that with Mess or not I don't know but he's got the quality to, to be a France international mm -hmm. I think it's true and but Antonetti is just really important you know he's changed the tactics or made the team able to sort of flip from three at the back to four at the back um there's more variety in their play you know it was only a month ago everyone was criticizing that the football was quite turgid but it didn't matter because they got the results during a, a period where they had more injuries and they weren't at the top of their form now things are a bit better so they can sort of um open up a bit more and like I said four goals away from home for the for the first time in uh what 25 26 almost 30 years so yeah just really good dynamic I mean. yeah yeah well said I guess yeah it's uh it's 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 one of those sort of situations like you say where you kind of just don't want the momentum to stop isn't it you just want to keep sort of performing and and getting wins and uh let's not forget you know this is a messy side that should have got something from PSG and did get something at Leon, so let's not forget that. Um, we will scoot over Montpellier for you, Phil, because you know we don't oh. want to prolong the hurt. But Decore and Kakuta, um, another goal for Wahi was was nice in fairness yes. and reply. But uh, but yeah, win a win for Lons. It's, it was all Montpellier struggle. at the end. I think they were a bit unlucky. They yeah. were. They deserved something from it. Yeah, I, th I think we're strange. we're taking something from that because obviously the mini remontada against uh, Monaco and stuff. That's one thing. So what's worrying is that Montpellier have now conceded the first goal 11 times. And of those 11 games, they've got one point. Yeah. They do seem to have an issue to setbacks. Obviously, the Oluwahi situation is great. I saw what he came on as a sub again. Um, and I, by the time he got to eight touches, he'd had four shots. Now, that's the kind of thing that we may need to get out of this uh, this kind of situation. So I think Junior Sambi is doing his best, but there was a real... We've had issues where, for a variety of reasons, you can't have Delort and Laborde Mole all on the pitch at once because they've either been ill, suspended, injured, or whatever. So it really seems to have damaged the cohesion of the attack and... As I said, we've got the situation where coming from behind does appear to be a big, big problem. So we're playing and Mets the second half of the so season. that will be fabulous. Yeah, another derby. So say again, Jess. And it's the second half of the season. So I think we mentioned that <coughs> they seem to drop, have a drop-off in form second half of the season. And there was actually someone, I'm really sorry, I will see if I can find out who and give him a name check, but it was a while ago, who actually did the research and came back to us and, and confirmed that the last three, four years, um, Montpellier's drop-off 
there is a clear drop off in the second half of the season. Yeah, yeah, it's it's one of those, isn't it? It's just sort of a season that promised quite a lot at one point, may sort of peter out a little bit, but I don't think there'll be any concerns about dropping too low or anything like other sorts. But uh, we will just um, give a, a sort of a quick nod to the the title race um, before we talk about one specific club and stuff and things. Yeah, we'll come on to them in a minute. But uh, to summarise the the title race, Leon got a hard fought two one win at home to Bordeaux on Friday night. Carl Another took a late winner. Yeah, which was it was a cross. I don't care what Leo <laughs> Dubois says. That was the <laughs> biggest miss hit cross you've ever seen in your life. But hey, you take what you take. Uh, Kalu had equalised for Bordeaux, and in my humble opinion, they were very unfortunate. Bordeaux deserved something from this game. They played really well second half and it was a good watch. But uh, yes, Dubois with the, the late mishit cross in off the far post over Costille to earn the points for Lyon. We then saw the response coming, obviously PSG first of all going down to Laurent. That's a huge, huge swing in the balance there before Lille, as we mentioned earlier on, getting the 1-0 win over Dijon with that uh, Yusuf Yuzici goal after the mistake between defender and goalkeeper. Uh, secured the win for Gautier's men. If you include Monaco in this race, of course, I think we kind of have to at this stage. Yeah. They've closed the gap now to just three points from PSG. It's Lille out in front on 48, with Lyon in second on 46, PSG on 45 in third, and Monaco 42. But all the momentum is with Monaco. They are the, the Leicester, if you will, of, uh, of the title race at the moment. Um, I guess, really, I guess the question I put to you, I'll start with you, Phil, is kind of where are we now? I mean, you, you still... You still think PSG have probably, even though they're third, you'd think they're still favourites just in terms of the squad and all that goes with them. But Leon and Lille are not going away, are they? No, no. And um, I would say I think Lille possibly have uh, the cap, maybe the canniest operator in charge. Um, they're on a great run. Uh, they are playing at Bordeaux in the midweek game, though. So that, uh, I'd suggest, would be... A, a very good game, but also tricky. Mm. Um, while Lyon are away at Dijon and PSG host Nîmes, so I think we can assume absent earthquakes that they're going to get three points from this. So this midweek could actually be very interesting for for this. I mean, Monaco, they're on a great run of form. They're doing their business, and they're only three points off PSG. They play Nice, by the way, in the um, Côte d'Azur derby. So, yeah. well, Nice are not great shakes at the moment. That and There won't be any fans, but there's still a bunch of needle in that game. So Yeah, an edge, yeah. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we've got a top four, which is, like you say, not going anywhere. And I think it's useful that PSG is third, mm. because... That means that any small slip up can be pounced on, and obviously it was a big slip up at the weekend. So that's um, uh, something just to keep keep the interest there. Yeah. So mm. I don't know what the odds are on the the title, but um, imagine there. PSG interesting for those of a Reddit persuasion. Possibly. Yeah, P- PSG are favourites from from Lille and, and Lyon in that order, but it's a lot closer than it was a week or the so ago. Fractions. Yeah, I I think um, I think a lot of prayers need to be said to Neem, who, speaking of odds, are twenty two to one to get anything from the PDP on Wednesday. I have a a little feeling that they may be lambs to the slaughter in that particular fixture, whereas uh, Dijon Lyon. Uh, you just never know, do you? Dijon, you know, if they turn up, they might call, they might sort of cause some problems for, for Leon. But you would think it's one of those games that if Leon want to be in this title race, they have to go and win this game. They can't. But equally, you can see that being a goalless draw. Yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and it's whether the Leon turn up that, that have turned up in big games or whether the Leon at home to, to Mess turn up or, you know, the, the Leon that, that can get turned over. When, they, when you least expect it to turn up. But um, yeah, I think that's it's a definitely a big week ahead. And Monaco, Nice, like you say, Monaco win again. I mean, if they win that that game as well, I mean, it, you know, you, you can't rule them out at the moment. And like you said earlier, the Bordeaux-Lille game, that has a, has the look of two pretty informed sides going head-to-head and two contrasting styles. Bordeaux have come out of their shell and Lille have kind of gone into their shell. So it'll be interesting to see which, uh, which prevails in, in that game. Uh, just while we're on the subject... 
Um, Strasbourg host Brest, Ren against Lorient. Um, she always has a little bit of needle as well, of course. That's, uh, that's another game midweek. We got Rams, Angers, Metz, Montpellier, and the Jazz filled Derby. And uh, Saint Etienne, not we mentioned, and Lens against a small club by the name of Olympic de Marseille, who, of course, we have to talk about now. Jess, um, I mean, we've gone over the on the pitch stuff this weekend, it went off the pitch, they were supposed to play Ren, um, and that fixture just didn't happen because the ultras and all that surrounds them arrived at the training ground what happened next um firstly probably before that we should also mention that in the um friday press conference with asperas more or less confirmed that he's he's off he's done yeah. he's had enough yeah well say he's had enough i mean he also kind of said well you know there were many talks about a contract extension and they've gone quiet. So um, I don't think he's entirely suggesting that it's, you know, him leaving of his own accord. No, um, I should out. But yeah, basically on on, a, on Saturday, a load of fans um, pretty much broke into the, the training ground, um, sort of vandalised the place a bit, got a hold of Vilas Boas's suitcase um, and threw his stuff everywhere and something was even thrown and, and hit Alvaro Gonzalez in the back. Yeah, um, we don't know what, do we? I assume he went down very easily. I think um, it was a sausage from Payette's plate. <laughs> put that out there. Well, <laughs> one of the rumours was that he was hit, but they were aiming at Payette. Well, uh, there you Payette. go. They, and then they were immediately dined up as a new centre-forward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The, the bit that got me the most with the story is when they mentioned the, the Villas Boas briefcase. I just sort of had this like uh, image of like a Mission Impossible style ultras passing the briefcase down the line and then hacking it open and launching it over the hedge. Like, I, I don't know, I just the idea that Villas Boas has a briefcase. I don't know why that sort of makes me feel a bit weird. I, it's just the whole story was just, um, you know, we shouldn't really joke too much about it. Well, it, this is this is the thing, because when I saw this, I was very confused why they cancelled the match on the grounds that, you know, it wasn't COVID related and there weren't going to be any fans in the stadium. But mm. having seen some of the footage, we're yeah. talking about a couple of hundred people marching towards Le Commandoy and then chucking flares and pyro over the wall. Now, the number who got inside is uh, under discussion, shall we say. But clearly, that is not a good thing. And regardless of which footballer was hit, which there were some translation issues about this, whether he'd been hit by someone or by something, it seems he was hit by something. Um, that obviously, the staff don't, don't deserve this at the best of times. And now we've got situations where someone from the South winners and uh, involved in this allegations it was a false flag movement and Frank McCourt's likened it to the attack on the Washington Capitol and it's just an utter shambles mm. at every single level that and is this way, is and now we've got rumours starting about oh an OM takeover yeah. and it's like well Again. if because there were rumours that um, Liverpool after um, Salatica or Kaletasar, or I cannot. Yeah, Chaletasar, Chal I believe. Yeah. Chaletasar. Different pronunciations um, all over the place. Because, and that was, you know, the last minute. But if you were a Marseille fan and you've just basically been attacked at your workplace more than normal, I imagine you'd want to get the hell out of there. I mean, and that, you know, that's what happened with Hilton. That was nothing to do with the fans, but he left for personal safety reasons. So it's it's a situation which is ridiculous in a negative way. Mm. And you can, you know, make dark jokes about it and stuff, but this is really bad news. No, it's depressing, isn't it? Yeah, it, it reminds me a lot of the players sort of potentially forcing their way out. A lot of the, 
Sporting Club de Portugal, Sporting Lisbon to to others um, last year when they had players, didn't they? I think Rui Patricio sort of forced his way out and William Carvalho and that. And Albeit that was contractual, but when they started getting sort of presences at the training ground being threatened, they forced their way out of their contracts. And you do wonder, we've seen Morgan Sanson move on. As you say, Chaleta Sar has, has, got, has had glances from West Ham previously in Liverpool in the last 24 hours. There's a few players that... He went, was it Radonjic who went earlier? Who, sorry? Yeah, he's gone to Hertha Berlin on loan. Yeah. Oh, yes, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, and, and there's a few but Olivier players. Olivier and Cham is coming in on loan from Celtic. From Celtic, yeah, which I think is probably a good, a good deal, but yeah, I just... I that, think they just don't, again, kind of cover it every week but they just don't do themselves anyone in that club don't do themselves any favors i mean i i don't agree with their way of expressing it but i don't blame the fans for just wanting rid of errol i think he's an absolute joke of a sporting director just a serial failure mm-hmm. um vidas boas it's amazing how quickly he's lost the credit of his own players but more importantly the fans just a and, bit yeah yeah, okay, when the team are doing badly, he's going to lose credit. But he, you know, he was so popular. He could have kept his mouth shut or said the right things and still been popular amongst the fans. But he's just caused trouble as well. Mm, and then the cool. fans, uh, it's just, it's not normal to act like that. I mean, the second, Perez's second season at Marseille, I think there was an incident where the, you know, the fans got into the players' car park and set all the cars on fire or something like that. And, and Perez has kind of more or less said that. So that was his reason. My decision to, to leave. Yeah. yeah. Um, you, you can't act like that. And yeah, I've seen some people say this is another, you know, ju- uh, can't think of the right phrase, but um, another sign that French football is a joke or that kind of thing. I don't think oh, it yeah. is. I think it's a disgrace for Marseille fan or the fans that did this. Um, mm. And arguably Marseille, because it seems to often happen there, but it's it's not, I don't think it's necessarily a French football thing. I think, I mean, arguably you can say it's kind of to French clubs' credit that they seem to, or continental clubs, to be fair, it's not just France, that they seem to have a closer relationship with fans and they're more open to the fans sort of having a say and actually have, being able to have dialogues with the players and and the powers that be rather than here where it's just like, you know, we'll take your hundreds, if not thousands a year and then shut up, you've got no voice sort of thing. But the problem with that is sometimes it can spill over. And we've seen it, you know, at Wren in the last couple of years, for example, as well, where there's, you know, very, very heated debates with with players, for example. But this is another level. There's there's passion and then there's over the line, isn't there? That's that's the thing with with supporters and yeah. Whilst you want to see fans sort of you know caring about their club and that, that there's a way of doing it, isn't there? And yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's certainly not something that um, is exclusive to French football. This sort of thing happens in England as well, and you only have to look at the uh, the welcome that uh, Thomas Tuchel got from the so-called Chelsea fans after their after their baby blue, blue-eyed boy was dismissed last week to um, get a gauge of what certain fans of certain English clubs are like. I'll just, I'll just leave that one there. Well, but, I think um, it's probably a good thing that Marseille <clears throat> are away, a long, yeah. long way away, um, in the midweek round. Um, yeah. Because they're up at last. Hopefully everyone can calm down a bit. I imagine police are busy. Um, but... Like I said, it looks like every level, management, sporting director, ownership, players, fans, everything seems to be screwed up at the moment. Yeah. And I, that doesn't seem like a situation that can continue. No. And as no, said, you know, Mil- Milik has just arrived. I mean, yeah. What must he be thinking? To be yeah. fair, he's come oh. from Napoli. So. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Out of the frying pan into the fire. But yeah, it, it doesn't doesn't start things off well. And, and also, look, you know, this is a club in Marseille who, you know, to use a sort of football manager analogy, you kind of want to come in as a new manager and get rid of everybody and start afresh, you know, that whole sort of building your own team. You know, this is a, a club with a, a proud history of 
uh, well, you know, not always proud in fairness, but a history of of success in in France and on the continent. You know, they're they're still a, a massive club in in name alone. This is the time where you'd think they'd want to be trying to attract players. I mean, what sort of you look at a project like Monaco? Okay, a lot of their young players have come through the system there. But if I'm a young player in, in Europe making my name and I look at Ligue 1, I think, oh, I quite fancy playing for, for Monaco, even though the, the fan base isn't, you know, all the jokes of the fans. Or, or I'm, I'm quite fancy joining the, the Lyon Academy and, and coming okay, there. Say again? No, joining Monaco, uh, Monaco and paying no tax. Oh, well, yeah, that, that's that. Yeah, in fact, actually signed me up for that immediately. Oh, but um, yeah. Speaking I mean, of which, so uh, at the. Some of the Marseille fans in the um, in the march actually had placards saying "Come back, Tappy," referring to Bella Tappy. I mean, that's it? how bad this has got. And they let go. They signed. Um, they brought in. Oh, who did they bring in in midweek? It's completely gone beyond Milik. They brought in somebody. They've let. They brought a kid in from Juventus. Yeah, and let and let one of their promising young players go the other way. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Just, just bizarre. Uh, yeah, Mo Ali is is baffled by that as us. Well. Yeah, I am. Lots I am. of just, uh, Marseille doesn't make any sense. Me. It doesn't. But yeah, Marseille. Yeah. There you go. Um, just before I hand it over to you guys to just bring us up to speed with the TV situation, because you are better placed than I to discuss. I just want to very briefly summarise a couple of deals that are going through or have gone through. We are on the final day of the transfer window. Um, main highlights, yeah, Daniele Rigani's unhappy stint at, at Rennes is going to be cancelled. He's off the calorie. Uh, Munir Shuiar is looking to leave Dijon, which is a shame for them. Long overdue, I think it's fair to say, but he's now said he wants to go today. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. We uh, mentioned Anthony Modeste's arrival. Josh Madger is leaving Bordeaux for Fulham, which is an interesting one. Um, he started very well there, but has since kind of fallen down the pecking order. So he's off. Uh, Yassine Fortune, Arsenal fans, remember him? He's come back from FCC on to join Angers which is an interesting little move, I think. And uh, Hoffenheim and Ren have agreed a deal for Jorginho Rutter, who's uh, an 18-year-old French international, youth international, I should say. So that's an interesting one. Did you, um, what did you say about them? They've agreed a deal? Yes. Yeah. Um, Where's he going? It's the, the latest latest reports are that da, 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 both parties are waiting confirmation from the German FA that the paperwork has been fil- filed in time. So sounds like they've accepted the bid. Um, so that looks like that's going to go through. Okay. I thought he's, I thought Ren's saying they wouldn't let him go. There you go. Well, that's um, I guess we I guess we'll see. That was roughly an hour ago. That was reported. So things can change quickly. Um, Brest are taking Fadiga from PSG, which is an interesting one. That's a loan with an option to buy. Sort of surprises me. Sort of doesn't. If you know what I mean. You know, it, it's kind of one of those. He needs playing time, I guess, but a talented player by the looks of it. Uh, speaking of Marseille and their transfer business, this one caught me by surprise. Hertha Berlin have signed uh, Nemanja Radonjic, which um, yeah, I wouldn't say he's been a raring success at Marseille, but there were some, some signs at one time or another that he might be all right. But yeah, that hasn't worked out. And uh, Dijon are signing Abu Bakr Kamara on loan from Fulham. So obviously it's one in, one out for Fulham. So that would sort of make sense. Um, just glancing now down the rest of the deals. So my my only interest in this is Gaetan Laborde staying in Montpellier, right? Yes, that's yes. What, as as of time of recording. Yes, um, obviously Hello. things can change. Yeah. Um, the other the other one actually that did catch my eye was that uh, RB Leipzig are in for Mohamed Simikan. Um, Strasbourg have accepted a, a bid this evening in the region of 15 million euros, which I think is a good price for a really talented player. We talked about him pre-season, um, attracting the interest of AC Milan. So that could be a deal that may well go through um, as we reach the latter stages of the window. What we'll do is we'll, when we know sort of everything that's gone down, um, oh, I should mention Jean-Claude Todibo as well, who former Toulouse player who's come back to France from Portugal. He's coming in on loan from Benfica to join Nice. Um, so yeah, we should um, should should mention that one. But yeah, I think what we'll probably do is we'll we'll have a little bit of a roundup for you next week when all the deals have gone through and we know exactly who's gone where 
and if there are any sort of larger movements we'll keep an eye but um just before we go uh yeah you both of you have got some sort of updates on the the uh, tv situation phil did you want to give us the french perspective on what's happened today my my update is that telefoot keep emailing me reassuring me i can still watch football on their frankly buggy and really badly designed uh streaming service and they're not giving my my money back until that changes Yes, no, no surprises there. <laughs> um, basically, today was the uh, sort of limit for time limit for deadline. That's the word for companies to to bid to sort of take over the the TV contracts or the broadcast rights. Canal Plus had suggested to the LFP that rather than only sort of open the bidding for what. Media probes or left behind, the whole package, like all the matches, should be put back in back for tender. LFP said no, so Canal Plus and Be In are sort of still stuck with what they've got. Um, but I think are taking the LFP, or certainly Canal Plus are taking the LFP to court. As a result, Canal Plus refused to put in a bid today. So apparently, six companies put in a bid. I think four for Liga, two for Liga, and none of them met the LFP's sort of minimum kind of reserve price. So essentially, it's sort of back to the drawing board. So um, it's basically homes under the hammer. I think there still is a chance that deals could be made. Apparently, Amazon are quite keen, so something could be done with them. I assume that Canal Plus are waiting, you know, doing some kind of brinksmanship and, and looking to kind of step in when everything's as cheap as possible. Um, it's still a mess. I'm just going to put this out there. I think I think it's a really good time if you're a broadcaster to pick up French football. I just think it's a really good opportunity if if you've got the if you've got the the sway and you've got the leverage. I think it's a good time to pick it up. If Particularly you promise when, not to use Jonathan Pierce, I will put in. Oh, a couple of million. sign me up. Just, I've sign got me up. five TV subscriptions. If I have to get another one to watch the league, oh, God. Then frankly, I'll stream whatever. The day that the day when that day comes where you can watch any of the, the top five major leagues on one channel, honestly, I, I, even if it's seventy pounds a month, I mean, you know, but I, you, I just wish you could just have one for all. It bugs me no end having to pay these ridiculous different prices for different things, and if it wasn't not knowing for, which ones which, and yeah. I tried to cancel RMC because I figured well I can get it on Canal Plus, and then they're like, oh no, we have the Champions League. I'm like, do I care about the Champions Same. League? Yes, yeah. I have to have it or I'm going to miss something. It is really if if it wasn't for Liga, I would cancel BT. I don't I don't even pay for it for Arsenal games anymore because I honestly wouldn't bother. But it's the only place I can watch Liga games unless I want to watch them on assorted betting channels, which you know, actually to be fair, it's not a bad thing, but obviously the screens aren't as big, the commentary isn't always as in-depth, and you know, it's it's just not quite as good a uh, platform, if you will. But as Jez said you don't get Jonathan Pierce. So, I mean, you know, swings and roundabouts, I guess, but uh, that's what the mute button is for. But yeah, I, I do think it's a really good opportunity if, if you are a, a broadcaster and you've got a bit of money behind you. I think it's a good, it's a definitely a good season with the title race as well to come in and go, actually, you know, let's, uh, let, let's get some money behind it and see where we end up. But um, French football TV and money, what could possibly go wrong? Well, um, we'll, we'll keep you updated on what happens next, I guess. Well, what happens next is game 23 will potentially take place under the existing agreement. That's on Wednesday. We should yes. have something from our, our man on the ground in the cup, maybe not on the ground at the moment, John Mainland uh, on the Coupe de France, where, of course, we had the Ligue 2 games, but there were the amateur games happening in another channel. It's all very confusing. He will explain. Uh, so that should be up later this week. And, yeah, then we're looking at when's European football back? So we've got we've got two more rounds and then next I believe week. European is next week. Yes. And, right. it, and it shouldn't be overlooked as well that in amongst the fixtures at the weekend, um, because obviously we'll, we won't record until then, we have got a Marseille PSG 
Sunday night affair. So um, that a lot of La Classique will be um, certainly interesting to see what happens there. I mean, that could literally be anything at the moment. Um, very quickly, mm -hmm. actually, I should mention we got Lorient Rams, Lyon Strasbourg, Lens Rennes, uh, Lens Rennes, sorry, Brest Bordeaux, Montpellier Dijon, Nice Angers, Nîmes Monaco, Saint Etienne Metz, and Nantes Lille. So um, fully packed schedule for us to get through next week. So um, yeah, look forward to covering those games. But yeah, that classic will certainly be certainly be worth a watch, and uh, particularly if certain Mr. Alvaro and a certain Mr. Neymar are on the same pitch once again. Uh, we will look forward to, to round three of their particular duel. But uh, yeah, if, if you if you want some fireworks, that might be the game to watch. Literal to watch, and really. metaphor. Yeah, yeah, both. Yeah, who knows what may happen there? So um, plenty, plenty to cover. I think we should draw a line there. Uh, we've got a bit longer tonight, but we had plenty to cover. And, you know, Jez and I wanted to have a bit of a, a champion. Your joy is unconfined. Had to be done, didn't it? So if you've made it this far, uh, congratulations. Uh, we'll send you the, the coupon vouchers that you received for making it this far in the mail. But, you know, COVID, so don't expect them anytime soon. But uh, until next week, just remains me to thank both Jez and Phil. And uh, both, good luck to you both in the uh, in the in the um, FFW derby this this Wednesday I I hope it's a draw <laughs> thank you Jez as well thank you right uh, until next week then uh, obviously whichever games you choose to watch don't forget two sets of games midweek and the weekend enjoy your French football we'll speak to you very soon